Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking to creative people. And during the pandemic, I've loved talking to people that are still figured out a way to be creative and do their thing. So this is kind of a rush episode. Um, I saw that my friend Jackie Bead and a bunch of her hilarious crew of fellow performers are doing this thing this Sunday um, called Who's Debossed the Lost Tapes, which is a... Uh, a, a show that they did on stage, but they have a tape of it, but they're also going to be interacting with the tape and and uh, taking questions from people. They did it with the Golden Girls show that they did, and it was a huge hit, so they're doing it with Who's Da Boss, uh, which is a loving homage with music to the 80s and 90s sitcom Who's the Boss, and Jackie and I talked for about a half hour, and then we're joined on the Zoom call by Danny Pintaro, the actor who played Jonathan on Who's the Boss, who also plays Jonathan in this stage version. And it was delightful to talk to him and wonderful to see him. And, you know, so many of us remember him from that show. And we kind of got a little serious in this conversation with Jackie and, uh, and Danny and I. And it's, it's sweet and moving and interesting. And we kind of go there. That's all I'm saying. So it's a ridiculous thing that they're doing on Sunday. But our conversation has all the colors and a lot of the feels. I, that's what the kids say. I don't know what the feels are. I guess it means when you're feeling things. Um, anyway, so definitely check out their thing on the, on this Sunday at 6 o'clock, which we talk about on the podcast. And also stick around for the conversation because... It's really great. Um, before we get to that, I want to mention that the Mismatch Game is coming back to Zoom April 3rd and 4th. You will be hearing about it again. It's going to be really fun. I'm also still hosting virtual game nights. If you have a birthday or something and you want to make it special, uh, go to youdon'tknowmylife.com. We will make it a party, even on Zoom. All right, that's all the plugs. Here are Jackie Beat, and then halfway through, we're joined by Danny Pintar. <laughs> Joining me now via Zoom is one of my favorite performers, Jackie Beat, in my Zoom room. Hi. Hi, welcome. How are you, Dennis? I'm good. I just um, wanted to say that even though we're on Zoom, you you would have done drag for me, but it's only audio, so I'm getting I'm getting the raw the raw feed, as it were, and it's fantastic. I appreciate and it. I have heard that you love getting the raw feed. <laughs> so there you go. Everyone's a winner. So right? we put this. Can I just? Can we lie and say that I'm in full gorgeous drag, complete with six-inch heels? I've never seen anything like it, and you, you look like you're lit from within. And Thank you. yes, That's because I'm such a you know healthy eating and <laughs> you know getting plenty of sleep and exercise. Uh, Speaking the, of that, I'm reading the um, Vanna White autobiography that somebody sent me. My friend Matt sent me. God, it's horrible. Just because who's, who's more part of the zeitgeist than Vanna? Although this is what I like about her. She stuck with her thing. She made one movie, Goddess of Love, and then she's like, I'm going to just keep turning the letters. But now she, she just taps them. I kind of right. love her for that. And it was a TV movie, right? Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So Yeah, the, the book is just wow it's just really wow <laughs> i just read the part where she talks about their um black housekeeper and how much she just loved her right there you go <laughs> well they were from the south right so. yeah so it was a different time so Jackie speaking Bean, of housekeepers yes we threw this together kind of fast because you're doing something really cool on sunday 
and I wanted to hear about it and also help you get the word out. So talk to me about what this event is. Well, I appreciate it. Of and, course. Uh, You're one of my I mean, favorite people. Uh, well, I would imagine. I mean, I always deliver. You always and, deliver. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we are doing... Um, now, you know, I, I have a little production company, if you will, because it's all about branding called right. Reruns in Pantyhose. I love and it. I thought, I thought that was a really good name because it just tells you exactly what it is. It's classic TV shows, but with a drag twist. Right. So Reruns in Pantyhose, we've done, uh, the most famous thing that we do is the Golden Girls Live. Right. Which are actual Golden Girls scripts. I'm probably setting myself up for a cease and desist letter right now. Sure. But Golden Girls is the most popular thing. And I do it with Sherry Vine and Drew Drogi and Sam Pancake. And we have all sorts of incredible special guests. And But we, we do the scripts as they are written because they're so well written and so genuinely funny. Yes, so we've decided to step out of the box a while ago and like, oh, let's do designing women. Everyone wants designing women. I wasn't really that big of a designing women. I mean, you know, if you can't have the golden girls, designing women is good. Right, but, in know, a pinch. Golden girls is great. Yeah. But here's my point. We did designing women. Who's the boss? Um... We did Three's Company, but we quickly learned, like, these are horrible. Right. Golden Girls is the outlier in that it yeah, just holds like up. Like, they really, these scripts do not work. They work if you're an 11-year-old, you know, living in the suburbs and starving for, you know, anything that's comedy adjacent. And anyway, it's horrible. So what I did, and... Um, is we would rewrite the scripts and just make them filthy. As they should be. Turn them into musicals. Just really just like the sort of dirty mad magazine slash drag queen song parodies, beat, bop, boop, doodly do. So here's my point, and I really do have one. I know I'm rambling, but I've had a lot of caffeine. Then. It's all good. Caffeine is the responsible person's cocaine. I agree. That should be on a t-shirt. That should be on a mug. You well, can... I usually say coffee, and yes. I have sold mugs that say that. Okay, good. You should. Here's my point. Recently, we found two episodes of The Golden Girls that we had done live on stage at Casita del Campo. Somebody had filmed it for us. Right. And we called it The Golden Girls, The Lost Tapes, because it, you know, we, we figured saying The Lost Tapes kind of inferred that it wasn't really to ever be watched by, you know, the general public. Right. But it's pretty good quality, and it's almost like you're sitting in the audience at Casita. Right. And when we're and all stuck totally, at home, there's what? no place. When we're all stuck at home, there's nowhere I'd rather be than stuck in the audience at Casita. Right. I, people said that they made margaritas and had cheesecake, and anyway, 600 people bought tickets to this. Huge hit. Streaming of the recording of the show. And we had the cast do, you know, tell little backstage stories and, you know, ask, you know, had a Q&A. So we recently found when the tape of Who's the Boss that we did. I love it. Where I play Angela Bauer, the single 
you know, single mother, businesswoman. The Judith uh, Light Mario character. What? The Judith Light character. Yes, yes. Okay. And my hair was giant. Right. Thank you, Willem. Right. Thank you, Willem. I never thought I'd be saying those words. Thank you, Willem. What did Willem, our friend, have to do with making your hair giant? Did he, does he have a special I product? I didn't, well, I didn't have an Angela Bauer wig. Right. I didn't have a Judith Light wig, so I called. What kind of a drag queen are you? You don't have a Judith Light wig. I have a lot of wigs, <laughs> but I really wanted it to just be giant. Yeah. Comically, you know. <clears throat> you can go to any of my social media and see pictures of it. Or you can buy tickets to the event. Yeah. The link is in my bio. So my point is, Willem hooked me up as, you know, all the good drag queens do. We help each other. So Mario Diaz plays uh, Tony. And um, uh, Sherry Vine plays my slutty mother, Mona. Nice. Which was Catherine Hellman. And uh, Roz Dresfelez is in it, playing a few different characters, male and female. Nice. She's one of our favorite queens. And the hilarious Nadia Ginsburg plays uh, Sam, which is Tony's daughter, which, of course, is Alyssa Milano. Right. Activist, actress. Uh, incredible. Right. And then we were like, who's going to play Jonathan? Right. This who's is Danny Pintaro's character. Yeah. Well, I thought... I know Danny Pintaro, who played Jonathan Bauer when he was, you know, nine years old. Let's give him a call. So he flew out from Austin, Texas, and did it. There you and go. He's going to be a part of the Q&A. And, uh, yeah, he got to, he said he really loved the fact that um, he got to play Jonathan as, you know, the screaming queen that he was supposed to be and really was. So it was so. probably cathartic for him in a way to be yes. able to really go all the way there. From what I understand. I so think it's, like I said, it's really funny. And the thing that I really want to um, stress <laughs> is that if you've never seen an episode of Who's the Boss, or you have, and you're not a fan. Right. Because it's not that campy. It's not really like, I don't think it's a thing many gay kids got into. And Well, except the fact that Tony Danza's, you know, And he was around. really, really hot for a long time. Uh, he right? He really was. He, he really, really kept was. up the heat for a long time. And um, there was one episode where he was shooting a commercial for, like, shampoo or soap or something. So right. he's in the shower for, half, like, just shirtless... With, you know, water running down his perfect, gorgeous Guido body. Here's the point. It stands on its own. It stands on its own. So you guys are going to do a similar thing like the Lost Tapes of Who's, of who's the Boss. Yes. I love it. Um, I'm really giving off an air of desperation, aren't I? <laughs> it's so, it's going to be so fun. Here's a fun fact. I once appeared on Who's the Boss. As, what? As a dancer. They did a, a scene, a retro episode that was, like, set in the 40s or whatever, and Alyssa Milano sang a song, and then there were, like, some swing dancer types, and I was one of them. I forgot about it until we were sitting here talking. And I... That, and, what, you forgot that you were on Who's the Boss? <laughs> well, it was back in my dancing days where I would have a few of these things that I did. Um, it was more, like, extra. Like, I don't think there was even choreography, but... Uh, I do remember my friend Judy coming to the taping 
and making fun of Alyssa Milano's singing. But I think she would have, no matter how good or bad Alyssa was, because she's that kind of friend. Um, well, yeah, and also it's like, here's this, you know, young girl who's on a hit TV show and your friend was in the audience. So that's just the way most people deal with those kind of situations. Exactly. Think, it could have happened to anybody. Drag race? You know, I watch Drag Race and make fun of everybody. Now, yeah. most of them fucking deserve it. Right. What is but, the... um It's so funny that you said you did a dance number because there is, in, in the opening, before we do the pilot. Right. Where they move from Brooklyn, Tony Maselli and his daughter, Samantha, move to, you know, Connecticut. And uh, so before they leave, they do a father-daughter dance routine that is just right out of the 80s with lots of hip-hop moves and break dancing. And I can't believe how good it is. Mario and Nadia just knocked it out of the park. What do you hook into about Angela slash Judith Light as a performer? Well, I have to say that Judith Light, if you grew up at a certain age... So I wasn't like a little kid in the 80s. I wish I was. Right. But I'm old. So I was, you know, um, in the 80s, I was a late teen and early 20s, depending on, you know, what right. part of the 80s. But um, so it's kind of easy to make fun of her because, you know, it's Tony and she's very flabbergasted. And, you know, it's that classic sitcom and then later, you're like, wait a minute. Judith Light is a fucking genius. Yeah. I mean, just all those incredible things that she's done, you know, including um, Transparent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just was she in, she was in Gianni Versace, the, the murder of... Yes, I think she was. Gianni Versace. I remember yeah, seeing a, her on stage in Wit. You remember that one-person show, Wit? Uh-huh. I'm going, wow. She's a powerhouse. Yeah, she is amazing. And it's just so, really easy to, if you've only seen her in Who's the Boss, yeah. discount her. Yeah, for sure. And I know that a lot of people are fans of her really early soap opera work. But yeah. you asked what is, you know, I just love that. Big blonde hair and the 80s, you know, sort of power suit and the, you know, giant sunglasses, not sunglasses, but giant glasses that are like, I'm a businesswoman. Right. And a briefcase and, you know. And that's when they were talking about the power suit, the power tie and the, like, women in the office and working girl and all of that sort of. Uh, right. All of that sort of aesthetic. I did the AIDS ride with Judith Light the second year that they did it, and she came in way ahead of me. She was much better at AIDS riding than I was. Now, did she ride you, or did you ride her? <laughs> she, the, there were so many people that came in ahead of me. There was a guy with one leg that came in ahead of me, Judith Light. Oh. Yeah. So, um, and Paula Abdul was there to do the, the, the tribute at the end. Wow. Yeah, it was star-studded and jam-packed. Um, I would love to talk to you about what it's been like during the pandemic to do what you do. Because I've seen you pop up in different things. Has it, what have, what's been okay about it and what's been really hard? What's it been like? Well, as you know, we've done mismatch game. Yeah. A couple times and 
you know, I remember the first time you have to kind of find your footing. Right. But then we then we figured it out and we're doing it again, right? Yes. Uh, April third and fourth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very, Very exciting. exciting. And I, I, I'm doing it the fourth. Yes. But you know, when it first all started, you know, Sherry and I were in Puerto Vallarta with Mario. He just came out to hang out with us. Right. So the three, you know, amigos were in Puerto Vallarta. Sherry did a week of shows at the theater. Then we were scheduled to do a week of shows together, Battle of the Bitches. And then I did a week of my solo shows. Right. And then in the middle of the week when we were doing Battle of the Bitches, the shit hit the fan. And, you know, we were a little off the radar. Like you would see things on your phone and read headlines, but it was hard to tell how seriously to take it. Right. And before you knew it, it was really like changing on an hourly basis. Like, you know, so I canceled my shows and the club had an attitude about it. I said, I have two dogs at home and I cannot be stuck. You know, if they do a travel ban, I can't be stuck in Puerto Vallarta as much as I love it. So like I said, they had a little bit of an attitude. And the next day, one of the queens, Mama Tits in... um, Puerto Vallarta texted me and said, you left at exactly the right time. They just closed the venue. Everything is on lockdown. So I was happy that I got home. But to talk about the actual, I just started going a little crazy. You know, at first you're like, oh, this is great. Some time off. Right. And you have such a wonderful home and you love to do everything and decorate it. And like, I'm sure there were projects that you were really into. Yeah, but it's done. Right. There's no decorating to be done. Right. I mean, I wish people could see behind me. It looks gorgeous. It is. It's done. But um, but it's like anything. It's like when I'm traveling, I want to be home in bed with my dogs watching TV and, you know, eating something I'm not supposed to eat and watching crap TV. Right. And But then, you know, a week of that, and it's like, okay, well, thank God I have to fly to wherever and do a show or get on a cruise ship or do whatever because now I'm going crazy. Right. So, and I also kind of panicked a little, like, I'm not going to make any money. Right, yes. Like, it's a, it's all scary. These, yeah, all these gigs are canceled. And, you know, I'm a workhorse. Right. I mean, I'm a, I'm a show pony. Every. Right. Every metaphor and, you know, nickname for me is about, is, is equestrian. Right. So, um, <laughs> but my point is that, like, at a certain point, I just had to get in drag for my own sanity. Right. And it started off with me and Sherry and oftentimes Mario. We had different guests like Alaska, you know, essentially what we do live. We decided to do um, the In Quarantine series. Right. So we did the Golden Girls, and we did Carrie, and we did Three's Company, and, uh, oh, my God, Nine to Five. And it was just like I wrote scripts, like what if Carrie and her mother, you know, and John Travolta as uh, Billy Nolan right. you know, from the movie Carrie. What if they were all, you know, having to talk to each other on FaceTime? So those were really popular and people liked them. And then I started doing um, a cooking show 
And these were not thought out at all. The very first cooking show I did, I can't even remember what I cooked, but I remember the second episode was just me opening a lean cuisine with my with my fake fingernails and like you know how to add extra cheese and microwave it so it wasn't a real cooking show it was a drag queen just you know and then I started doing best friends day Wednesday which was interviewing different friends so I just I had to stay busy and I had to get in drag to for my own sanity and then I had some cameos you know if anyone knows what cameos are I had cameos to do and I didn't want to cancel on people So I thought I need to get in drag once or twice a week and just continue to live life. And I think I've done more shows during, you know, this pandemic than I would have done otherwise. And I've, you know, made some money. And um, I also took the opportunity to have my neck done. You documented it on social media, and I wanted to know how do you feel about it. I think it looks fabulous. Well, it looks really great when I am in full makeup and I have a ring light on me. I'm so thrilled with the results. Right. But it's weird. I mean, there are parts of my face that are still numb, and this was a while ago. Wow. And also, when you pull it, like, now it's tight, and there's no fat and there's no skin hanging but now because it's tight i feel i can see the lines and sort of cords you know what i mean like the way your neck so it's always a give and take also okay here's full disclosure because they you think they're just pulling loose skin right no honey it is so much more brutal than you think they go in and actually like pull the muscle and do lipo and do all this and then they you know behind my ears looks like frankenstein (laughs) seriously and then right behind you know how your beard when you shave yeah the place where it just stops naturally right mine because they pulled it it's literally an inch or an inch and a half further back so i have to shave almost like behind my ears right you could have sideburns on the back of your head Right, exactly. Like, you know, there was that joke about when, um, it's a visual joke, so it's not going to work for this, but like, you know, uh, Joan Rivers blowing her nose. Yeah. (laughs) And she's like, you know, holding the tissue on the top of her head. Right. You and um, I, speaking of Joan. I'm thrilled with the, with the result. Well, and I've sent many friends to this doctor and they've had stuff done and they love it. Good for you. How, what was the hardest part of the recovery? Was it pretty brutal or was it okay? No, it was, it, it's all, it's more brutal than you think it's going to be. Yeah. That's what I've heard from everybody. Yeah. Um, the hardest part was right after because they put, it's always when they put that breathing thing down your throat. Yeah. When I woke up, my throat hurt so bad. Like, I mean, so bad. And every little like sip of something hurt so bad. And you just, you know, when you first wake up, you're like, ugh. I've been hit by a bus. Yeah. And I don't like to take the hardcore drugs. Yeah. I just, I know myself too well, and I'd rather shit. (laughs) I mean, that's just the truth. It's like... Of the two things. Um, You mentioned Joan Rivers. You and I worked on Fashion Police together. What's your favorite Joan Rivers memory? Well, one of them is very 
one of the, I don't know if it's a great memory, but it's like what we were just talking about. She was sitting right next to me and she kept looking at me and I was like, she's getting my profile. She's getting the worst, right. you know, view of me. So at one point I just turned to her and I said, I hate this. And I pointed to that area, you know, right. of my chin and my neck that I hated. I said, I hate this. And she goes, get it done. Like right. Just, yeah. But I remember, you know, it was so easy. People made fun of her for all the plastic surgery, but I do remember just sitting next to her and looking over and seeing the full manicure with the one electric blue nail. Right. Very and maybe edgy. A, yeah, a streak of pink in her hair. And I always imagined her telling, you know, the much younger person at the salon, like, give me whatever the young people are doing. Right. I think it's the way she stayed young. I, you know, at the time it was like, yeah, she's so relevant and stuff. But since I worked with her, I've come to appreciate how hard that is to do for anyone. That oh, she was, God, yes. How, how next to impossible it is. And, and, uh, and she pulled it off. So. And especially as a comedian and a woman yes. and a comedian of a certain type. Because she was at the top of her game when she died. That's yeah. what was so tragic. Um, are there things that, that once everything's back to normal, if, if it ever is that way, hopefully, looks like it's on the horizon, are there things from this time that you'll still do? Like, will you do any online things that... Oh. 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 Dennis. What? I can do a drag show without putting shoes on. That's what I'm saying. That's what I I'm only... <laughs> Listen, you're talking to. A I wasn't queen. sure where you're going to go with that, but yes, yes. There's, you, you know, I want to do mismatch game live, but if we do one online too, that's okay. Like, um, well, you, first of all, when you do live shows, we live in Los Angeles. Yeah, you know, a lot of people visit, but it's you know, you can only sell so many tickets because there's only so many people who can come to the live show. Right. If you do something online, all of a sudden, people in the UK could see my Christmas show this year, which is what I'm most famous for. Yeah. So, um, you know, anyone at any time can see your show. So, yeah, I am a queen of a certain age who hates wearing, you know, you know me, I wear flats. People are like, Jackie, why are you wearing flats? And I say, because my fucking feet hurt from paving the way. <laughs> That's so, going to be the title of this podcast, Jackie. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, all I have to do is worry about, like, from the tits up, which is my whole world. <laughs> it's like we saved, we saved Jackie's brain. It's just my face and the hair and the nails and the jewelry. And, like, I just sit here and I light myself perfectly. And, I, you know, if I need to put a filter on it. So, yeah, that's going to survive. But I just tweeted this or, you know, whatever on social media. I said, like, is anyone else? kind of thinking about when things get back to normal, like, I feel like I'm a different person now. Like, I'm nervous about when things get back to normal. I, I am too. I'm, I'm curious about what habits will have changed for me. Because there are times when I've gone out for dinner or something with somebody outside or whatever, and at a certain point I'm like, I'm ready to go home. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I find, even though I'm home so much, that there's this draw to, like, go home. It, it's weird. Um... But we, we will see about that. You mentioned the, the cameo. So people pay you to, like, leave a message for them or do a video for a birthday or whatever, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it's this service where, you know, and some celebrities and, you know, let's put that word in italics and quotations. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it's kind of B and C list and whatever. I mean, listen, you know, reality stars, a lot of drag queens. And that's another thing is there was a certain level of drag race drag queens that would never do cameo. Right. They had a real attitude about it and thought they were better. And then the moment that pandemic hit, all of a sudden. They're all on cameo. Selling out. But yeah, birthdays, anniversaries, I get a lot of pep talks. And people will order them for themselves. Like, I'm just kind of feeling down. I'm getting this for myself. And I always say, these are my favorite kinds of cameos because you are my kind of person. You're not sitting around waiting for somebody to order you a cameo. You know what you need and you're asking for it. You're getting it for yourself. If you were hungry, would you just sit in the kitchen waiting for somebody to walk in and scramble you up a few eggs? Yeah. No. You'd go in the fridge and get some eggs and cook them. And if anybody's vegan, I apologize like I sweat profusely. Has anyone asked you to say or, or do anything kind of out, offbeat or unusual? or did you? Yeah, some of them are a little weird. I mean, a lot of them are like lots of inside jokes. Yeah, right. But most are like, will you roast my friend? And then like they give me three facts like she loves to go shoe shopping and she loves skinny girl vodka and she, you know, really appreciates the statement necklace. And it's like, honey, that I can't even roast that. That's so fucking boring. And that's what I say. Right. Also, the thing is, you know me. I mean, I studied at Second City right. and I just, I would have to completely crash and burn to like, start a video over. Right. Once I'm in drag and I'm recording it, I just am, anything that comes into my mind, I say, and I just ramble and I talk and I just, and then I go, now most drag queens would stop and reshoot this, but I'm going to assume that if you wanted Jackie beat, this is the part you're living for, <laughs> the part where I'm just rambling. <laughs> And a lot of guys say, will you please make a video for my friend, David? You know, he's your biggest fan. And then I just latch onto that. I'm like, how big? I haven't left my apartment. Do you know how long it's been since I've had dicks? Send some pics. I'm kidding. Don't send pictures. Do it. Send pics. No, Jackie, be, be responsible. Be, be professional. So I'm all over the place bouncing off the walls, just like I am now. I love it. Well, because I would think since it's so personal that you really have, like, I want to deliver for them. Like, I want to make right. sure that they are happy with this because it's just me and them, you know, that there right. would be a performance pressure, I guess. But, well, also, I mean, you know, I have a few go-tos. Yeah. If, if it's a birthday, I end it by singing happy birthday. If it's just like a message for a friend, I sing the Golden Girls theme. Thank you for being a friend. I love it. I have sort of, you know, my go-tos, and I talk about how difficult it is to celebrate a birthday during the pandemic and, you know, all of that stuff. But I've seen, uh, you know, and I'll just go there. There are a few drag queens, especially on Drag Race. I mean, you know, whatever. They do them out of drag, and they're 10 seconds long. Hey, Carol, happy birthday, you old bitch. <laughs> I love you. Bye. Oh, there you are. Hi. Oh, oh my gosh. We have a special, special guest. Speaking of cameo appearances, it's Danny Pintaro. Hi, Who I'm Dennis. Who, who are you? I'm Dennis. I'm the interviewer of this podcast, and I'm so delighted that you popped in. Did I pronounce your name right? 
How did you pronounce it? Danny Pintaro. You got it, yes. There it is. Um, You are going to be in this event that Jackie was just telling me about. Where are you coming to us from today? I'm in Austin, Texas. Wow. How did you... Do I sound okay? You sound great. How did you do with the storm? You sound gayer than ever. (laughs) Well, that's normal, but I meant, is the gay coming through? Right. Yes, loud and queer. Okay, thank you so much. (laughs) How did you do with the storm? Oh, gosh. It was a lot, man. It was a lot. We did actually okay. We fared better, some of our friends. Um, Our power came on a day before pretty much everybody else. And we never lost water. Uh, Round Rock, the city we live in, um, never went on a boil notice. So Round Rock's a great place. We were really happy overall. But it was real rough. I mean, we were minus like five hours. We went 48 hours without power. Wow. Um, It was really a lot. And, uh, you know, freezing cold, like breath in the air while sitting in the house. But we also did, my husband loved it. He's freaking crazy. Can I say it's fucking? Yes, you can totally. If he's fucking crazy, you can say it. And just so you know, this is audio only. I almost got in drag, and then Dennis told me it's audio only, so people will not see your gorgeous face. Sorry. Oh, how sad. You're giving us us nice beard. Very honorific. You guys, here's the thing. Buy a ticket to Who's the Boss for this Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, and you can see all of our faces. That's right. yeah. So, Danny, when they reached out to you initially about doing this on stage, what did what was your reaction? Yes. In, immediately. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Jackie B is ridiculously talented, and everything she writes and does is stupid. And I've known Mario forever. I've known Jackie forever. I've known Sherry forever. And so, there, you know, there was a hint of the idea of it at some point, and I was secretly going, gosh, I really hope they – because I, I, I don't I don't feel like I'm on the same caliber as they are in some ways. And so when they first mentioned, oh, maybe maybe we'll do it, I secretly was like, God, I really hope they do this. I really hope she writes it. I really, really hope. And then, and then all of a sudden she had it, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to read it. It's filthy. I love it. Well, let me just say this. As far as not being the same caliber, first of all, you're crazy. <laughs> you were, bitch, you were in Cujo. Okay. Right. Well. Second of all, um, what you may lack in over the top drag queen campy, you know, I know what you're talking about, you more than make up for because you were the fucking OG Jonathan Bauer. So you <laughs> so meta. Well, you know, here I'm, I'm having a, oh, I'm having a, a white claw. Just of FYI. course you are. Did you work today? I did, yes. And tell we're people, out of wine. Tell people um, what you do because you know, I, I gotta say that you really have a, a special place in my heart for what you do. Oh, uh, my life's super complicated at the moment. I work thirty hours a week at a uh, animal hospital called Firehouse Animal health center. Wow. I'm a vet technician, so I'm doing everything that's required to take care of sick animals, cats and dogs. Um, Today we had uh, any number of things. Today we had a dog who ate the wooden handle of a shovel, 
And so we had to take x-rays of his belly to make sure he hadn't pierced any of his colon or any of his stomach lining. We had a dog covered in, um, covered in, um, cancer. So we had to put her down because she was in terrible condition. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's. And then we had beautiful puppies. We had this gorgeous, gorgeous, uh, French bulldog puppy and her name is Teddy Bear and she's just adorable. Okay, um, circle of life. I'm glad yes, we ended on exactly. that note. Have you we always have a definite circle of life? Have you always loved <laughs> animals, Danny? Has that always been something you were passionate about? Yes. In fact, that is actually what I went to Stanford to be. I went to Stanford to be a veterinarian, and um, I got to Stanford and quickly realized that I'm not capable of doing math or science at all. <laughs> um, and so it was really disappointing. I actually left Stanford during uh, some of my sophomore year because I was so disappointed in myself and in the fact that I wasn't going to become a veterinarian. Um, so yes, it, it is my first love. And that's the thing about Austin that's really been so amazing is it is this place where it goes out of its way to help you make all of those things in your life you've ever wanted to achieve possible. Um, and when I was looking for a job, again, I tried doing a business. I tried doing a bonsai business, which I really loved, but I just couldn't get it off the ground. And all I had to do was think, gosh, what was the first thing I ever wanted to do? And it was veterinarian. And I started applying for jobs and really quickly got a, a position at um, our local animal shelter called um, Austin Pets Alive. And um, was there for almost three years, um, taking care of the cats, mostly in their cat department. I took care of between 60 and 70 cats a day. Wow. Um, and uh, moved into the clinic, and I was their pharmacist for a year, where I filled between 80 and 100 prescriptions a day for all the various foster dogs and cats that were in their care. Um, Andy, that's a, that's a lot of pussy for an openly gay uh <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you knew i was gonna go there do, i knew it do people... are you teaching also or something you said you yes were... so four times a week i also teach um middle school high school uh film and television acting as well as i do a classics class we're currently doing um euripides we're doing greek plays at the moment so. i love that so it's kind of gets both of your passions you get to, to use both of them when people come into um, the, the the veterinary place, do they recognize you ever from TV? No, rarely. Yeah. Um, the first reason I think is because we're wearing masks, right? Um, so it's just harder to recognize even the people I work with on a daily basis. Um, but no, I, I don't get recognized um, more than maybe once a month at the very most. Yeah. Wow. In any given situation. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised because even though you were a kid on the show, I, I feel like I would recognize your voice. Can I tell you guys a, a really quick, here in West Hollywood years ago, I went to a veterinarian's office and guess who it was? And I didn't realize it was her until she spoke. It was Danielle Spencer who played D on What's Happening. Oh, wow. wow. You can D. look it up. Cool. She's a veterinarian. That's How amazing. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, voice. A lot of people voice. Some people might teeth, uh, which is very strange. Um, but, you know, 
the generations that recognize who's the boss are getting fewer and farther between yeah. and older and deader as time goes by. Wow. <laughs> so the young kids, like, no, none of the young kids have any idea. Uh, now, did I read know, somewhere yeah. that they were thinking of doing a reboot, or was that some other show? Yes, it is one of the things in the works. It's been a bit of a process. Um, and it's really early in the process yet. But, yeah, there's an idea, and Alyssa and Tony are actually totally on board. They just need to flesh it out more. And, um, I mean, it's so early on that they barely have some pages of what could potentially be a pilot. Um, but it is legitimately in the works. And, um, you know, moving up the ranks at Sony, and um, they're working on the details. They're trying to figure out how to get me involved, and we're pushing for some really good ideas. Um but they don't even know. I mean, they barely have writers yet, so they yeah. can't even really say much. Um, Honey, they barely had writers when it was a hit show. <laughs> hey! hey. <laughs> um, Work! Danny, what was it like once you started performing with Jackie and, and Mario and them doing the show? Was it surreal to be up there? What did it feel like? So surreal. It was uh, a little stressful because everybody backstage is a little handful. These right. kids are a handful. <laughs> I love them, but they're a handful. Jackie's um, looking very aghast. <laughs> and then, there's, a, there's a few of them that are more than a handful. That's why oh, we yeah. work with them. Speaking <laughs> of which, Mario posted a picture of his dick during lockdown, didn't he? I think I saw it on social. What? On Twitter. What? I think he posted his dick on Twitter. You mean like a, like the, the, sh- the vague shape of it? No, but like... I, I think it was kind of that's it. No. I, really? You know, I, I've known him a long time, and he he's never really gone there. Yeah, that's one thing I thought. Mario's never gone there, at least not that I know of. I feel like there was one picture in the summer on Twitter where he kind of was like, oh, screw it. Maybe I'm delusional. Oh. But well, I would he does say, like to take those naked pictures in the backyard, but I don't, I don't follow him on Twitter, so yeah. it might be a little more... Um, I will say that right after I saw it, I went out and got a $5 foot long. So take take that uh, for what, what you think. Um, so, Danny, I, when I think of being a young star now, it's so different than when you were on Who's the Boss? With social media and, and, and teenagers are out now. What do you – when you look at the, today's <laughs> yeah. young actors, does it just seem like, wow, this is a totally different world than I, than I was coming up in? Yeah, it really is. It's really great in, in, in vast ways. It's still a little messy in vast ways. Um, but, boy, I mean, there, there was something special about being an out gay actor when I first did it. And now, excuse me, now it's just not that special. But that's a good thing, honestly, right? Because it gives you so many opportunities for someone to look up to and someone to trust to be your confidant when it comes to coming out. Um, you know, it's still, there's still those fine lines. There's people on both sides of the coin when it comes to straight actors playing gay and, you know, the, the, all of that whole thing, which is a whole other ball game. But um, it's fantastic. And, and it is, I don't think it could have happened any faster than it has because it's really, it's something that shouldn't be rushed. And, you know, most of the world wasn't ready for it before uh, Will and Grace. I feel like Will and Grace is when it really started to feel normal-ish, you know, sitcom about 
leading actors who were gay, right? I mean, that's where, for me, it started to turn that corner. What do you think? Yeah, well, I agree, and I, I think it's, you know, I think the irony, and, and like you said, it's baby steps, even though Will and Grace is sort of a big step, because the lead, you know, um, is straight, Mm-hmm. And the yeah. second and the second male, you know, was closeted at the time. He was not out. Yeah. Can you believe that? I mean, most people don't realize that. You would never have thought it, but he technically was not. Yeah. I remember yeah. there's somebody that Jackie and I work with on the mismatch game who was friends with, with Sean. And I said, well, would, would he ever come to the show? And he's like, oh, no. So I used to daydream that Sean was across the street crying a tear and while we were all doing the mismatch game, and then he would get into his Porsche and drive home. Um, Danny, how old were you when you came out publicly? Um, I was a sophomore in at uh, no, I'm sorry, a junior at Stanford, so I was probably uh, 18, 19, somewhere in there. What what is what is a junior in college nowadays? Yeah, like 18, 18 19, somewhere in there. What yeah. was that time like? Was it scary, or were you ready, or like how how did? How did you uh, no, that? God no! It was rough. It was a lot. Um, it, it was kind of bad timing, honestly. Um, I had not planned on it. I was in the middle of Stanford, right. and you know, here I am trying to just plain graduate because my brain is not that complicated in terms of smartness. Um, so I'm here I am in summer school at the time trying literally just to make up some credits because I had to drop a class that I just couldn't handle. Um, I'm living off campus. Uh, I just broke up with this guy. One of the first guys that I had ever dated um, was in the middle of finals and I got a random call. Somebody got a hold of my number. It was um, a radio station and they called me out of the blue, just totally out of the blue. Um, and started asking me weird questions, and I didn't answer them directly. Like, I, I answered them in a sort of, um, you know, you, I'll leave it to your imagination kind of way. Right. And uh, and that got, somehow got the inquirer inquiring, which they do very well. Um, and they also got a hold of my phone number and uh, called me to say, hey, we heard these things you said on the radio station, but we've also heard these things. Do you want to talk to us? Um, so yeah, the timing was poor. I was barely like officially gay. I was still kind of bisexual at the time. And I know this is kind of an offensive phrase, but for me, it was very true that it was by now gay later. Um, <laughs> have you heard of that, Jackie? Right, no. Yeah. I, it's not I an uncommon that, really. thing. Listen, it's not uncommon and it's not... You know, bisexuality is a real thing, but a for many people, you know, there is a thing as such a, you know, preference. There mm-hmm. are drag queens who, through drag, figure out they're actually trans. So everyone's yes. journey is different. Yeah. And I think that's the other, I think that's where we're at now. I think it's um, young kids now are moving towards the they and the sort of middle ground. Instead of the bisexual, it's more uh, the middle ground in terms of their what they identify with as a means to figuring out their sexuality. Um, so, but yeah, no, my parents were not okay with it. Um, my life was rough and uh, it happened. But, you know, as I've always told the story, the first person I called as soon as I hung up with the inquirer was Judith Light because I said, ah, she's the only one who's going to have the right answer because she was 
very gay specific already at that point, right? You know. Yeah, I was just telling Jackie that we did the she did the AIDS ride the second year of the AIDS ride. I did it, and she was mm-hmm. on the ride and came ahead of me. But she was always such an advocate and, a, and an always. ally. So and her managers were the, the biggest reason. And her managers for most of her adult life are, are a gay couple. One of them has passed now. Um, but for most of the time I was in her presence, it was always her, Herb, and Jonathan. So, of course, I'm going to call them first, you know. What did she say when um, you called her? That was the big moment. She said, look, there's one thing I've learned about journalism is that they can't misquote you. So if you give them really honest answers and just tell them the truth, it's going to be really hard for them to write a salacious piece. But if you dodge the bullet or if you dodge the questions and just don't give into it, then they're going to make up whatever they want. So I literally gave them the most honest interview I could. And it's actually a really fantastic article. The, is um, it the Inquirer you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, it's actually really heartfelt and uh, – doesn't poke any fun and doesn't bring up anything salacious. There was nothing salacious at the time. I was in Stanford. I was, right. you know, I mean, so it was great. It went, it went way better than expected, of course. Did you hear from other people that you inspired and that it meant something to? I'm sure you got those kind of messages. Boy, I got so many of them. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to do much about them uh, because I was, so focused on trying to get through Stanford. Sure. And um, and so I, I do wish I had spent more time sort of replying to those people. But back then, of course, you have to remember, it's like AOL chat rooms. There's not a lot. Right. It was mostly like fan mail. I, I don't have time at the time. I don't have time to write back to people, um, like handwritten letters. Yeah. Um, so I regret that a little bit. But over the years, I've always had people still to this day um, – saying stuff, but the, the big thing I get mostly is, uh, oh, God, I knew you were gay, and I looked up to you so much. I was like, I didn't know. <laughs> How so, did you know? Right? Isn't it weird? Know. Yeah. That was the first thing I thought of when you said that your your family, you know, was not happy with it. I'm like, how could they not know? And I'm not even trying to be funny, but, like, you live with someone my mom knew when I was four. Yeah. No, I think my parents were very convinced uh, they had convinced themselves that I was not. And, you know, I had girlfriends all through high school. I was engaged to be married right before I came out uh, to a girl. I was engaged to be married. Um, and so I did a really good job of making them believe um, that there wasn't any of that. But maybe it's because I did such a good job. I am an actor. That is, that's right. I so that. when you were in Stanford, this is after Who's the Boss is finished. Is that right? Or did it overlap? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, it didn't. I, I was still in high school when, when Who's the Boss ended. If people missed it, Danny went to Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have literally said Stanford. Yeah. 317 It's stuff. impressive stuff, Look, Jackie. I decided middle of last year that I, I don't know what it was, but I really just I had forgotten how important it is to believe in yourself and to believe that Stanford is really a big deal, you know, because I have this, I have the the 20 years after Stanford were hit or miss at best for my life. And so it really didn't do what it could have. Right. And so I was really, for many years, I just pretended that I, I just sort of ignored the, the big deal that Stanford is. And now 
I'm coming back finally to a place where that is something to be so proud of. To yeah, it is. To say I graduated from there uh, is it's so important. Own you know? that shit. Now, do you, you know what? I could not. I went to Scottsdale Community College for six weeks and then gave up on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Danny, do you hear from Alyssa Milano? Um, all the time. We, we're currently talking every day, nearly, because this Who's the Boss thing is, the, the reboot is actually pretty far along in terms of the talk. So she and I have been really uh, back and forth the last couple of weeks. Overall, I've been in touch with her a lot. Well, I just think she's turned into such a powerful force and like holy courageous. Sure. Are, are you kind of in awe of that? What do you think of the way she's using her platform? I think it's terrific. And I, I could never even come close to the level of commitment to making these changes and being the fierce, fierce person that she is. I mean, how many followers does she have on Twitter? Yeah. I'm going to look while we're talking. All right. Um, and the idea that she has no, she just, she has the biggest balls to just post whatever she truly believes in on Twitter. And she showed uh, up at the Kavanaugh hearings. Remember that? To she was... her 3.7 million followers on Twitter. Wow. She gets death threats all the time. Her family is constantly getting that stuff going on. And she just persists. And yes, yeah, she sat right behind him. Oh, man, that was so amazing to see. I texted her and I was like, I see you, girl. I see you. Oh, but she must have just been, I had a knot in my stomach watching that for days. Yeah, she, it just must have been hard to be there. Um, well, he is disgusting. And I remember uh, I was in Halifax, Nova Scotia shooting uh, Stage Mother, this movie. Yes, which is currently and, um, on, on demand, right? People can watch it. Yeah, oh, yeah, and I, I really, I was not, but, like, that was happening while we were filming, so I would watch it in the hotel room, and I was so repulsed by him, and yeah. his entitlement, and the faces, and he was just, oh, he was just disgusting, and I can't believe that he's there now. Yeah. Jack I just, her face, like, there's these images of her just giving him the stare down. Ooh, they're fantastic. Yeah. The stink eye? The stink eye, yes. Now, Danny, do you remember any guest stars coming on Who's the Boss that you thought were, that you had crushes on, male or female? No. You know, I, I, my sexuality, I I purposely, it was pretty much off the table. Right. None of that really ever happened. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I had girlfriends and all of that, but that was really more for the show of it. Um, But no, not really guest stars. I mean, most of the guest stars that might have come on were, uh, you know, Tony loved to have kind of famous people on as guest stars, like Frank Sinatra and um, uh, uh, what's his name, Ray Charles. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, no, what was Frank Sinatra like? Do you remember when he was? I don't there? remember. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember much of that. I don't remember a lot of the uh, details. Honestly, because I was doing so much at the time. I spent most of the eight years going to school full time and doing the show at the same time. So all of the memories are very hazy because there's just too many things going on at once. For a for a twelve, thirteen, fourteen year old, it was a lot. Danny, did I ever tell you that I worked at Sunset Gower Studios for oh. Yes, I worked for the company that did Who's the Boss. 
for Embassy Productions? Or I, worked for... For, I worked for Embassy Television. Wow. I worked in Fran McConnell's office. I worked like in all sorts of different things. And yeah, I remember I How went to crazy. a bold... I know. So Sunset Gower every day. And uh, I remember that in the office, we would have live feeds and we would watch the shows being taped. And then when it was like down, I remember once me and my friend Carl watched Tony Danza with a disposable razor and he was wearing, <coughs> he was wearing, <coughs> no, yeah, well, cuffed, wait a minute, yeah. you cuffed the moment. <laughs> you cuffed the moment I said Tony Danza. Uh, no, it was well, because I know where you're going. No, uh, it must have been the, the episode where he was learning to, um, he was teaching swimming lessons. All right, I will admit that the, even that uh, episode got me a little. Yeah, well, yeah. Was, Tony Danza and Espino? Listen, Tony oh. Danza had one of the most beautiful bodies ever. But this was between shots, and they were waiting for something. Like, he wasn't even in costume. He was wearing sweatpants, and he had a disposable razor, and he was like, you know how, like, sweatpants oh, will... Oh, yes. They'll pill, you know, like a sweater yes. will pill. He was shaving, and I was like, doesn't he have a enough money to buy some new fucking sweatpants he you know how he, everybody has a little thing that they do to sort of calm themselves his was shaving his sweatpants his favorite sweatpants <laughs> he did it all the time that's so funny that you know that Isn't i feel that like we just broke this is a scoop i feel like we've broken open a bombshell um, oh, item that it's so funny it's, it's an exclusive yes shaving the sweatpants <laughs> I love it. Um, tell people how they can uh, check out what you guys are going to do this weekend. Well, I think the best way is to go to anybody who's involved, such as myself, Jackie Beat, or Sherry Vine. I, I can't speak for anyone else, but on our social media, the the link to tickets is in our bios. I think that's the best way. I think it's Who's Da Boss, which is W-H-O-S-D-A-B-O-S-S dot live for tickets. And we just do that because, you know, you have to make sure people know it's a parody and we're not, you know, trying hey, to... Are, are you better be tuning in? I don't even know what your name is. Oh, my gosh. I'm so Dennis! Sorry. My name is Dennis, Dennis. Danny. My, I'm very hurt. <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you this. Danny, I was a dancer on an episode of Who's the Boss? Oh, that was set like they flashed back to like the 40s. Does this sound familiar at all? And Alyssa Milano sang like a, a, cla a standard, and there were like swing wow. dancers. And oh, I was one of them. Yes, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. yeah that's right. So when this is over, we're all going to look up that episode and watch it and look. You're not going to find it because none of the episodes are on, are available. My husband had to buy like a bootleg copy. Only season one has ever been released. So How weird. I wow. know, it's so bizarre. That's love, though. He bought a bootleg copy for you. I know, he totally did, yeah. It was amazing. How long have you been um, married? Uh, going on seven years. Fantastic. And where'd you meet him? Oh, it's a long story, but mostly through... Uh, I was selling Tupperware at the time, and he came to a Tupperware party, and then we started playing Words with Friends on Facebook, and... Uh, Seven years later, here we are. There you Let go. me ask you something. Seven years with a man you met at a Tupperware party. Danny, how do you feel fresh? <laughs> oh, uh, you know, there's scruff and grinder. Right. And, oh, here we go. You know. And all the yeah. things. 
Um, I, first of all, I play Words with Friends. Maybe I need to be paying more attention. Jackie, we, we play sometimes. You're very good. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah, I can't better. do Jackie. She's so good at it. I always lose, so I gave up. I've no, gotten listen, better since the pandemic started. I tell started. people, there are people that I play Words with Friends with, which I, I always lose. But if that's the way to get better. Yeah, there's truth to that. I sure. just started in the pandemic, and, and now I'm, I'm, I'm much better than I was. Because in the beginning, I just wanted to spell long words with the letters that I had, instead of looking for the triples and the, you know, it was more right. about that like... the key. It's like, I have a seven-letter yeah. word, but they're all like one point. Four, yeah, four points. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. So, you guys, no, you're totally right. Can I end these words with friends with a serious thought? Yes. And I have one I more know. question for you, Jackie B. I have one more question for you. Oh, okay. Well, I just wanted to say, and you know, like... First of all, you know, we did this to get the word out about Who's the Boss, which is happening this Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, and I really want everybody to see it because it is hilarious. But when I'm sitting here listening to Danny, and I will get emotional, it just, it's so great to see a creative person. And, and it's difficult for me to look at you and not see you as a little boy. You know, like I still yeah, see that little sure. boy. I'm so glad that little boy is happy, honestly, and free and living like his best life. And I know that's a phrase that people use and I'm misusing it. But you know what I mean? Because there are too many child stars, you know, not even brilliant people, but just, you know, sort of pop culture kids who are on TV shows who are dead from fucking drugs or suicide. Like they're just, like, I'm so glad you're happy, Danny. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I will say this. There's one thing that Alyssa is very, very keen on. And she says that child actors are not disposable. And so getting this reboot off the ground, one of the things that we're focused on is making sure that that's a part of the story. Um, and so I appreciate you saying that. It means the world to me because it is... It has been a very, very long road, and there were lots of drugs at various times, and how I got through those uh, as unscathed, unscathed as I am is anyone's guess. Um, but yeah, I'm so grateful to not have gone down any of those really dark roads, and I'm so grateful to still be alive. Um, a lot of people don't know, but there was a suicide attempt, and it was a very good one. Um, in the middle of all of that, and I'm so glad I'm still here after that. Me especially. too. Me too. I, I echo what Jackie said, and I, I was just watching. I was just happy for you. You like your job. You have a husband. You're. You seem. Ha you. You kind of glow. What do you think got you through it all? Was there something? Is there a bedrock thing in you that that kept yes. you going? Letting go of the film and television industry and believing firmly that that did not create or uh, define my existence in any way. Right. And allowing myself to find other things that were just as important and just as exciting. And um, that, that really is, is the thing. Yeah. And that took a really long time because, you know, my parents for many, many years were a hundred percent convinced that I'd have no life if I weren't a celebrity um, so I had to teach myself that that wasn't true, and then I believed it for a long time. Right, and I had to teach you were getting the that, message yeah. that you're only as good as your current Hollywood heat. 
Yes, of course. And that's what all child celebrities get. And especially because their parents are, you know, their parents are using their, their existence is hinging on the success of their child. Right. Yeah. Um, and so they take that out on their child. Um, what parent, you know, they get to live that lifestyle. They didn't have that before. And if the child chooses not to do that anymore, then they don't get to have that lifestyle anymore. Why would you ever allow someone to do that to you, right? Yeah. Um, well, as a fat drag queen, everything needs to come back to food with me. Right. <laughs> and I will just say that, like, thinking that fame and, you know, what strangers, complete strangers think, like, that is junk food and mm. it can be artistic it can be creative and it can be you know satisfying in its own way but sort of empty fame and just you know certain level of money that's junk food but you on a daily basis taking care of animals that is true nutrition for your soul mm. ah that's such a great way to put it absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. Nutrition for your soul. I love that. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling that. Gosh. I know we're getting deep stuff, but your show is going to be funny and ridiculous. So people should it's so keep that stupid. in mind. I love it. Oh, it's God. So, it's yeah, so yeah. stupid. Oh. Jackie, I wanted to ask you about something. I remember when Logo first launched, and as a writer in town, they were like, we're looking for this kind of project, this kind of project, and you would hear no drag. Like, it was like drag was in the gay hierarchy. Like, it was... It was down here. Oh, and, yeah. And, and in the last 10 years, what, probably Drag Race has a huge part of this. It's not like that anymore. In fact, they're the biggest celebrities we have in some ways. What has that been like to experience from your point of view? Well, first of all, it wasn't just TV. Right. There were gay bars that didn't let drag queens in. Yeah, no drag. They would like, have these... And, and like gay pride would have big meetings, no drag queens. You know, there's a scene in Flawless, that movie I'm in with, you know, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Robert De Niro, <laughs> dropping a couple names, right. sorry. Anyway, there's a Let scene where they're... Let for you. Yeah. Yeah, there's a scene where they're having a meeting with the log cabin Republicans about gay pride and they don't want to have any floats. And one queen says, you think that if we don't have floats, we won't be there because, you know, we won't want to walk in heels. Well, we will walk to Lake Titicaca and back in heels. Right. So there were people, like, drag was just not it. And there was only, like, ten of us. Right. Nobody Nobody went into drag thinking they were going to make any money or be successful. So there was Lady Bunny, Sherry Vine, me, Varla Jean Merman, Coco Peru. Like, literally, like, there was just so few queens that traveled all over the country. And if, if there was a TV show that did need a drag queen, you got the part. So, I mean, it's definitely because of Drag Race. So I do give credit where credit's due, even though I essentially created drag race just kidding um <laughs> no i know no. you, know, you know, know every time i watch the snatch game i want to fucking you know i'm like your questions yeah. aren't as good sorry they're not yeah yeah nor are the answers never mind well because it's not about even you know coming up with a joke but anyway it's definitely because of drag race and rue is the most famous drag queen in the world so it makes sense that she would have do the show so i think it's great but it's like anything. It, there is a certain price to be paid 
you know, now that being gay is so mainstream, I think it's great that people can walk down the street holding hands. You don't just have to go to Provincetown, you know, you can walk down the street holding your boyfriend or your husband's hand without getting beat up or yelled at in, you know, there's still places where that happens, but at what cost? You know what I'm saying? Like now you go to Hamburger Mary's and it's all straight girls, you know, yeah. for a, a bachelorette party. And, you know, I, I tweeted a while back, I'm like, don't get it twisted. Under this clown that you love so much is a gay man who loves cock. And I just felt the need to say it out loud, like respect that this, and anybody can be a drag queen now. You right. can be, you know, born female, you know, the terms are all so a house of cards and, you know, just people are listening, waiting to cancel me if I say the wrong thing. Like anybody can be a drag queen, but it is a drag art, a, a gay art form. And, you know, I'm, I don't know if I answered the question. Yeah, but no, no, it's, it's right. It's because, good. Because I, I feel like drag... all over the world, you know, opening for drag race queens. Yeah. And, you know, it's wonderful. But, you know, I've been in group shows and occasionally, you know, it's a comedy queen tour. Yeah. And, you know, there are queens who will not prepare. They're like, oh, I'm just so funny. I'll just get out there. I'll just wing it. Just wing it for five minutes. I'm Uh, like, tickets are exorbitantly expensive. We are in this huge venue. It's sold out. It's like, listen, I studied improv, so I can go off book and be funny, but... And here's the problem. It works for them because the audience is so in love with them that they, they can, can do no just, wrong. Yeah. They can do no wrong. So it's kind of like doing a disservice to them. I feel like if you picked me up and put me in any theater, in any situation with any crowd, I could win them over and entertain them. But these queens need drag race fans to do what they do. Because it's Absolutely. a house of cards, and it's like the emperor has no clothes. Yeah. Um, also, and I want to point... we've come. I mean, it, it is literally so much. So much television is cast solely based on how many followers you have nowadays, rather than how talented you are, or even the ability to be, you know, to act, to say a few lines and act them well. Um, and that goes for Drag Race too. You know, like yeah. those girls. All of those roles that um, wonderful, I mean, they're wonderful drag queens, but all of a sudden they were all getting those little guest stars that you're talking about. And they only got them because they, you know, the casting or the producers knew that they bring those millions of, you know, uh, RuPaul fans to the show. Um, Right. As opposed to actually casting someone talented. Yes. And I've talked about this before. It's strange when... You know, they're looking for the next drag superstar, and one of the contestants, or more than one, has never performed. Like, they admit that they have never, ever... You can tell a queen who has worked night after night, right. week after week, year after year, in gay bars. They're re- It's Bianca Del Rio. She's ready yeah. for anything. You know, Alaska, like they know how to, they are show ponies. Yeah. And the other thing is, it's on VH1 now, and you have to think, who's the audience? 
These are 14-year-old yes. girls. So it used to be a certain type of gay guy became a drag queen, and now they're casting people who are attractive and cute out of drag so the little girls will be like, oh, my God, I've, got a, crush, I've got a crush on milk. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and who doesn't? Who doesn't? That is a big, huge, gorgeous man. Yeah. Jackie, have you seen their OnlyFans yet? Don't they have one? Milk? Yes, they have OnlyFans. Oh, wow. Because I want to guzzle me some milk. <laughs> I bet you do. He's beautiful. Well, I want to give a shout out to Jackie's work ethic. You bring it with the mismatch game. You do your cards in advance. They're breathtaking. Like, you could phone shit in at this point, and you don't. Well, I've learned to choose my battles. Like, right. people give me a hard time. You know I call Coco Peru old one wig, and she calls me music stand. She calls me music stand because I don't learn my lyrics. And one of the reasons is because I write so many song parodies, and I it's really difficult sometimes for me to learn the lyrics, especially when it's just a backing track, and if I fuck up, it's right. not like a pianist who's going to be able to tinkle the ivories until I find my place. So I choose my battles. Even on stage, if a show, you know, I'll do shows in New York at the Lori Beachman, and tickets are, you know, 30 bucks with a two-drink minimum, and you got to buy dinner. I've got a music stand. When I go see Sandra Bernhardt, she has a music stand. She's the reason I'm a performer, if it's good enough for her. So I pick my, you know, right. like, do I, I can either be funny and sing the hell out of these songs or wear six-inch heels. Which one's more important to you? Yeah. You can't have both. So they, you got to pick your battles. Right. And besides, if they're looking at my feet, I'm doing something wrong. Also, the last time I saw you live in Palm Springs, I was knocked out by your vocals. You're not though. I don't know. Sorry. What? What? I was just telling Jackie, her <laughs> vocals are fantastic. You don't hit yes. a, You don't hit an off note. It could be the silliest song in the world, but your vocals are on point. I just wanted to set that in the Thank record. Thank you, honey. What I love you? your vocals on that, um, the Golden Girls track that you guys did. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Um, where it's each of their names. My name is. Oh, I love it. The vocal. Oh, it's um, that's a parody of uh, Nina Simone's Four Women. I did it as four oh, girls. Oh, all, got it. It's all about the Golden Girls. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's really great. Yeah. No, people do not know that about uh, about Jackie, and it's true. Sometimes right. I will finish a show, and people will be like, "Oh my God, you can really sing!" Like I shouldn't be throwing it away on these songs, but. It's my favorite thing in the world, you know? And my mom once told me, my beautiful, wonderful mom that I miss so much, my Italian mom, she said, never forget that Picasso was, for all intents and purposes, a photorealist. Like, he could draw anything and make it look exactly like it is in real life before he started twisting and warping it. So I think it really works that I can sing. Yeah. And then you twist and work it. Everyone needs to watch Who's the Boss, The Lost Tapes, uh, on Sunday night at 6 Pacific time, which means you can watch it in other places. And tell them one more time where they can find tickets. Who's the Boss, which is W-H-O-S-D-A-B-O-S-S dot live. Love it. All right. Guys, I love this conversation. I lo we cut we had all the colors. It got a little serious. It was sweet. It was There was tears. There was laughter. 
Um, Danny, thank you for popping in. And, um, of course. And uh, I uh, look forward to seeing the thing on Sunday. And I hope to someday meet you in, in person because you're delightful. That would be lovely. You guys, How thank fun. you. Mwah. Good night, everybody. Have a fun Enjoy Friday night and, and a weekend Bye, as well. Everybody. Thanks again to Jackie Beat and Danny Pintaro for that wonderful conversation. I loved it. Um, I feel like we may have made some news there, like broke some news, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, um, so this happened. What happened? I don't know what I did. If anything happened, if anything exciting happened. Oh, here's something fun. I'm trying to learn Spanish. I just decided to do this, and I've got stickers up all over the house of what things are. Because um, that's how, when I was on cruise ships back in the day, I wanted to learn Italian because all of my friends were Italian. And I did remember a lot of that stuff that I learned because of those stickers. So I have a tutor that I see on Zoom once a week. We've just had one real session so far. I don't know how I'll do, but it's kind of exciting and a new frontier. So there you go. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.